welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila from ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, where we like to talk about how to make marriage less of a to-do list and more of a passionate adventure. And speaking of marriage as to-do lists, we're going to take a little bit of a detour from our normal podcast this week because I have been reading some Christian teaching that's had me very upset. Um, As most of you know, back in January, I took on the book Love and Respect uh, because I read it for the first time then. I always assumed it was a great book. I mean, it was a Christian book. I assumed that all Christian authors are after the same thing I am, which is a marriage which feels intimate, where both people feel valued, where both people feel like they can be vulnerable so that they can be truly known and loved and accepted. And it turns out I was wrong. (laughs) And this This was really difficult for me uh, because I had just never understood how toxic some of the teaching was. Now, some of you, you're not there and you don't actually care about all of this stuff. And so for you, this podcast may not be necessary. So I just invite you to take a look at some of the episodes maybe you've missed. We've got some great ones on making sex great, on splitting household chores, all kinds of stuff like that. And we will be getting back to that next week. Don't worry. But this week, I had a number of um, readers send me in a blog post that was done by Emerson Egrich, and it just reinforced to me some of the really toxic teaching that's coming out of that side of the church. And so what I wanted to do today is I invite invited my husband onto this podcast. It's going to be a longer podcast, I think, than normal, but we are going to take that blog post. We're going to read it paragraph by paragraph, and we're going to show you how to recognize red flags when advice that you're given is bad. So, hey, Keith. Hey, how, how are you? Well, this is going to be, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I just, it was funny because you sent me the, this link, and I'm reading this stuff, and I'm just like every paragraph, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. Like I was in a different room and I, I think you probably could hear me. Yeah, hear me. I did. And like, so then she said, well, can we go and talk about this? I'm like, yeah, I got a few things I want to say about this. <laughs> um, you know, because I think that there, you're, like you said, there's a lot of people out there. And I don't know if they mean to be damaging, but there's, there's some real red flags here of things that you, that could be potentially very harmful for a relationship. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into it. And I do want to say that I have been getting some reports that Emerson Egrich, since we published all of that stuff, now when he speaks, he does say, now none of this is meant for abusive relationships, which I guess I can say I'm glad about that, but we'll be getting more into that later on about the problems with with what he says and abuse. And Anne, I did find a recent blog post in which he actually acknowledged that women can want sex too. Mm-hmm. So that's a big breakthrough. Thank you for that. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> okay, so, so but so, I think I think it's also important to remember too that we're not trying to attack this particular person. Right. What we're talking about here is a set of teachings, mm-hmm. and, and 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 there's a whole mentality out there which is harmful, and that's what we're trying to dismiss. Yes, and so and and so these sets of teachings are not limited to him by any stretch of the imagination. He's just a really good example of it. <laughs> and so we're going to we're going to take this blog post and this is from the blog post on his website which is called um, not just wrong just, or not wrong just different and valuable. And what I'm going to do is we have a document with all of our notes with his his blog post interspersed with all of our notes and I'm going to put this as a PDF that you can download off of this podcast. So if you're interested in taking a look at this You'll find different colors in all of our notes because all of our team read this and had to have their own say. So there's different colors. You can guess who's who as you're reading it. <laughs> um, but uh, 
you can you can take a look at that. He may he may edit his post after this comes out. So we just wanted to preserve what actually was there first of all. So what I'm reading is the original. If it if it may not be like that anymore, this is what it was as of September. When is this coming out? Tomorrow. What day is it today? Today's the 18th. September 18th, 2019. Here we go. So he opens it by saying. During the two decades I've spent teaching the love and respect message based on Ephesians 5.33, the feedback and responses I've received from readers, conference attendees, and small group participants has ranged from eye-popping, marriage-saving revelations to, I agree for the most part, but you don't know my situation, to downright rejection of God's instructions to the married couple. Though the responses vary, the one constant remains. God's word commands the husband to love his wife unconditionally and the wife to respect her husband. Okay, now the reason I wanted you to read it because I wanted to be the first person to comment. <laughs> okay, go for it. Because when I read that, I thought, okay, so where do I fit in, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because there's no option for respectfully see things slightly differently. It's <laughs> yeah. either you, this is eye-poppingly revealing, like changed my whole life, or I am rejecting God's word. (laughs) Like there's no option for, well, maybe I see things a little differently or I interpret the Bible differently. And I think that it's amazing. He quotes in terms of God's word. God's word commands the husband to love his wife unconditionally and the wife to respect her husband. Okay, sure. But the whole section starts with submit to each other in love. That's also God's command, and that's the overarching theme of the whole section that Paul's talking about. And that's completely omitted, so they can proof text with this one little section of that whole area. Yeah, exactly. And and we need to remember that his book is based on one verse, Ephesians 5.33. It is not based on the entirety of Scripture. Um, So so what Eggert is really doing here is he's setting up a syllogism. Now, you love logic. Yeah, syllogisms. (laughs) So so, uh, the syllogism... Yeah, for those for those of you who are like not like big philosophy majors, don't worry, it's not that complicated. Yeah, you're just kind of a, a logic. Yeah, a syllogism just means when you put two arguments together and you kind of make one argument follow on the next. Yeah. So what he's saying is this: if love and respect is based on scripture and scripture is authoritative, then love and respect is authoritative. And if it is wrong to reject scripture and love and respect is scriptural, then it is wrong to reject love and respect. <laughs> yeah, that's a really powerful uh, so that's what he's saying. way of yeah. uh, trying to but, word things. But let's just, let's just point out that conflating rejecting love and respect's message with rejecting scripture is a really big claim that I don't think holds water. Um, in my posts about the book and in numerous uh, letters that readers have sent to me and focus on the family, we really pulled apart the way he, he took scripture because he really only based it on, on one verse, and that's not the way to interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. Scripture needs to be interpreted by other scripture. <laughs> like, like you need to take the whole Bible into account. Um, and he, I, I really think that he ignored a lot of scripture. And, and just for an example, let's remember some of the things that he said in Love and Respect. Um, he said that sex is only about a man's physical release and that a woman uh, should have sex with her husband as a form of respect, that that's how he viewed respect and that he, she should do this even if he is drinking and straying. Which is amazing because, okay, just I'm, I'm not a theologian. I haven't really studied this to the level of like, you know, seminary or that kind of stuff, right? Okay, but the first thing I think of is when you talk in the Bible about sexual relationships with each other, the, the first verse that comes to my mind is do not deprive one another. Mm-hmm. You know, except for a time. Yeah, so which means that you must have so something to it's be like deprived of. The only verse that I can think of at the top of my mind is like, it's a, a mutual thing. 
Like, mm-hmm. it, like if this is true, why doesn't it say, wives, don't deprive your husbands mm-hmm. except for a time because blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Like, it doesn't say that. It says, don't deprive one another. It's, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is supposed to be mutual. And that's just one verse that I can think of off the top of my head that refutes yeah. what's being said here. No, exactly. And then there's another incident um, that I didn't even see. A reader pointed this one out to me. Uh, in chapter 19, uh, he has he has this anecdote where a husband is telling his wife that she's gained too much weight, and then he says, and if the wife then turns to the husband and says, so hold on, wait one second. So, and the point of the the point that's trying to be made in the book at that point is what is that a wife needs to accept her husband's criticism okay. and take it to to heart. Gotcha. Okay. And and then and then he says, but if the wife then were to bring up his porn use or his excessive drinking, then that would be wrong because she's not accepting his criticism. Mm-hmm. So what that tells me is that he sees that a husband's point use is not as bad as a wife gaining weight. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> okay. That's a whole other thing. The, the thing, the thing I see in that, that this is what concerns me. The reason that this message initially appeals is the concept of, Hey, you know what? It's important to love, you know, your wife. It's important to respect your husband. These things are important. Right, and these things are true, and that's why it gets traction. But the problem is that I think it's interpreted in this really toxic way, which is that like men need respect and really don't care about love. Women want love and really don't care about respect, mm-hmm. and and it's a it's a either or kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So in this case, she needs to listen to his criticism because she has to respect him, but he doesn't have to listen to her criticism, even when it's about a sin issue. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. And so, and so this is part of the problem. Like his book is not, if you disagree with his book, that does not mean that you're disagreeing with Mm -hmm. God. And that's the way that he set it up. And I just want to say, if you are in a church and the pastor tells you that if you disagree with the pastor, you are disagreeing with God, please stand up and walk out of that church Mm -hmm. or small group. If you're in a small group and people tell you that if you disagree with us, you are disagreeing with God and that you're not allowed to think something different. That is not scriptural. Do you want to tell the story of the Bereans? In oh, Acts yeah. oh, yeah. What I, what I was... Yeah, okay. That's... that's For sure. Well, that's one of the things. The Bereans, it was... You know, they were applauded because basically the, Paul came and spoke to them, uh, and he started teaching these things, and they didn't know about it. They hadn't heard about, you know, these teachings. And they were... Uh, uh, it was... They were praised because they went back to the scriptures to look to see if what Paul was saying was true. Yeah. Every night they would go back and study the scriptures. I think it's yeah. Acts 17. Yeah. And so, and I'm, so not, I'm not sure the exact. Yeah, I think so. Right. I could be wrong, but that's the point is that we are, God wants us to examine this stuff for ourselves. And I, and I think the big thing is, and this is the thing that's really, I've really started to think about a lot more in the last little while is, you know, Jesus didn't say, um, you know, uh, you will know them because they'll be in the right groups. Mm-hmm. You will know them because they will vote for the right political party. You will know them because, you know, their theology will be perfectly, you know, clear. Mm-hmm. He said you will know them by their fruit. So what's the fruit that's coming out of it? Yeah. And and if you see good fruit, you know, that's where you should be. And I, I tell you something, if, if a person says, I speak for God, you can't disagree with me, that doesn't sound like the kind of fruit that I really want to be taking a bite no, of. No, <laughs> and, and it, is, it, it is a really dangerous thing. I have a post which I will link to on 10 signs you're in a legalistic church, you know, or a legalistic small group or whatever. And, and those are important things to keep in mind because, 
You know, God cares about you and God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't just want you obeying what a pastor or a teacher says. He wants you to honestly know him. You don't need a mediator. And one of the best ways to me to, to tell whether what someone is saying is true, just to go along with what Keith said, is think to yourself, would Jesus ever have said this? Mm-hmm. Or would Jesus ever have acted the way this person is telling me people should act? Yep. And sometimes I think we need to just get back to reading the Gospels over and over again and looking at how Jesus acted. Okay, let's go on with his, with his letter. Do you okay. want to read I'll this I'll read the bit? next one. Okay. okay, this is two paragraphs. We're going to read two paragraphs now. It's yeah. kind of long. Okay, so this is the next part. The variables in this instruction are the individual recipients, the thousands upon thousands of husbands and wives who are coming to the love and respect message from a multitude of views, backgrounds, and experiences, then interpreting and processing God's word based on those unique differences. This is why, from time to time, I receive emails like this one in which a new kind of problem has arisen since the love and respect message was heard. The material is excellent. Sorry, this is a quote from the participant. This material is excellent and much needed. We have read the book and attended a conference and been blessed by the material. We have just completed facilitating our first small group DVD teaching. We are hesitant to do another until we deal with the following issue. There is one area we are having difficulty with and want very much to discuss it with someone. For the most part, the men in our small group are not getting that their wives have insight also. Their being a scriptural command to respect and value men does not give license for them to disregard what their wives think. If there is one weakness in the material, we are finding it is the omission of the value of a woman's insight, not as the leader, but as an integral part of information gathered for the decision-making. While this is not a problem in our own marriage, it seems to be a major one for the other couples. Listening to the material seems to have swung the pendulum the other direction so far. How to love your wife is being translated into a condescending attitude. Hope you can help. Okay. All right. A couple of things. Um, What he's saying is that this is a new kind of problem which is now arising. So let's define what that problem is that that he's seeing um so this woman is writing in and she's saying we did a small group with the material and after doing that small group we're finding that the men are treating their wives in a condescending attitude and aren't listening to the men in fact she even says listening to the material seems to have swung the pendulum in the other direction Mm -hmm. so after going through the material the men are now treating their wives in a condescending way when they weren't before. Mm -hmm. So the men are now treating their wives worse after going through the material. So that is the problem that she is setting up. That that's pretty clear. And to me, that makes total sense, right? Because if you have, if you are teaching that one person is the decision maker and that they are the person who has all the authority and the other person can give advice, but they better not be too pushy about it. Uh, and they, you know, and then they should back off when the decision's made because that's that's his mm-hmm. prerogative. If that's what you're teaching, then yeah, of course, you know, in a, in a, most people are decent people, and that kind of a message, most people are not going to take that to the level of abuse. That's right. You yeah. know, they're gonna they're just gonna uh, uh, most. Christian men are decent guys. We're going to go, oh, well, it's my job to make all the decisions. Oh, I have all the authority and power in this relationship. Okay, well, I better do that well and do it selflessly. Most are going to do that, but not all are going to do that. Right. Some are going to see this as an opportunity to, like, you know, be authoritarian. Yeah. It's, and, it's... And, and if you're dealing with someone who's immature yep. or selfish, yep. 
this is actually going to enable them to stay in immaturity and selfishness. Yep. Um, okay. Well, and, and the whole point is, this is what I was trying to, this is what I was kind of saying a little bit earlier, is that this whole dichotomy of like a man does this and a woman does that and there's no overlap, uh-huh. it, this, is, this causes this kind of unhealthy way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you know, I, I would say it's true that you respect me. Oh, absolutely. And I would like to say it's true that I love you unconditionally, right? I, but I think that the, that's not an either-or thing. Like, I would like to think that you also feel that I respect you, yeah. and I also would like to feel that you're trying to love me unconditionally as yeah. well, too. So it, it's, it's when it's like a man does this and a woman does that, to me, that's a big red flag. Because, you know, like, yes, I think men and women are different. I do think God has created us unique, uh, and, and I think there's a, there's a beauty and an, an awesomeness in that, that we bring two very different ways of looking at the world into marriage. And it's, it's such an incredible way of, of you know, growing in intimacy because you really do look at the world differently than mm-hmm. me, right? Mm-hmm. But, but when you start having these very concrete, defined roles, I just, I just get like my back yeah. up a little bit because that, that looks like an unhealthy road to go down. Yeah, and, and that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. Indeed, is that it has become unhealthy because now she's saying that the, all the men in their small group are now treating their, their wives worse. Yeah. What he's saying, though, is that this is a new problem, mm-hmm. that, su- that suddenly this is now happening because he, he actually says um, uh, a new kind of problem has arisen since the message was heard, and then he gives this email. Can I say one thing quickly before yes. you go to your point? Yes. Okay, so he's talking about... Because the first thing, and I, I, when I read it, I kind of put a little emphasis there. He says, you know, people coming to the conferences, then interpreting and processing God's word. I have a problem with that, right? Because, mm-hmm. again, he's equating his teaching with God's word. Yeah. I, that really bothers me. And then he talks about... The... By the way, my teaching is not God's word either, okay? <laughs> like, if you hear something that I say and it doesn't sit well with you, go read the Bible, please. <laughs> I am not Jesus. Okay, go ahead. Okay, sounds good. Um <laughs> But and then also the message has gone out, and it's it's again it sounds like Isaiah, you know, like mm-hmm. like like the, the gospel has reached out into the world. So like, I I just really bother. I find that very concerning. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But I sorry. Get... I, that was a, that was nope, a nope, digression. Good point. Good point. Love you. Respect you. Okay. <laughs> good point. Um. But he's saying that this is a new problem. Yeah. I want to read you something that is in the book itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here is a quote from page two eighty two of the book Love and Respect. Now a woman is talking. Now whenever he senses anything that smacks of disrespect, even when it isn't, it reminds him of our past and he gets infuriated. I haven't seen such rage in a while. Actually, I regret letting him know what I had learned from you because he used it against me each time. I can take on the criticism. I feel I deserve it. But his rage is withering and makes me want to get away and hide. Oh my gosh. So this was a quote from his book. Okay, so even before he wrote the book, he was having women coming to him saying that when a man hears that mm-hmm. I need to respect him, he is using that against me. Mm-hmm. This is not a new complaint. And in fact, in the report that we made up where we took um, the hundreds of comments, hundreds and hundreds of comments that came in in our Love and Respect series, and we sent them in um, and we let them see that this was a theme that was mentioned over and over again. 
In fact, in one of them, uh, one of the comments, a woman was writing, her husband, uh, they, they became Christians seven years into the marriage, and her husband then got immersed in all of these Bible studies. He read Love and Respect, and that changed the way he acted. Before that, they consulted each other and treated each other like partners, and after, he started ordering her around, he stopped listening to her, and told her every time he didn't like something that she was being disrespectful. And she ended that email to me saying, why is it that he was a better husband before he was a Christian. Mm -hmm. Wow. So this is not a new problem. And when this many people are telling Emerson Egrich that my husband is acting worse after he reads the book, maybe we should listen to them. Okay? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's too, it's this concept again of this is God's word. This is the, this is the truth. And it's just the majority of Christians do not believe that this concept of a man makes all the decisions and the woman can give advice, but she better keep silent other, otherwise and not confront him, even if it's about using porn or sin issues. I, I mean, I don't believe that. And, no. and, I, and I don't think the majority of Christians believe that. And to present that as the Christian view of marriage, just, oh, it just, I find it appalling. I've actually been in real grief about it. Well, you know that. I've I been, know. It's I've been, been... It's been tough. I think of this poor woman in this yeah. story, like, withering anger. Right? Yeah. Like I just, okay. So, again, very, this, very this problem... Yeah, this problem that this letter writer is setting up for Emerson Egridge is that the people in his small group, the men in the small group, are treating their wives in a condescending way and are no longer... Uh, taking their influence or advice into consideration. So Mm -hmm. that's what she's saying. Now let's look at how Emerson responds to this problem and how he frames it. And we're going to read, this is, this is a longer passage that we're going to read. Your turn. You want me to read it? Okay. How to love your wife is being translated into a condescending attitude. Well, that is an interesting statement and one that deserves attention. And while I received only one side of the story here, the woman's side, it is important to address other possibilities and investigate whether or not this could be another pink and blue communication problem. Okay, I wasn't going to interject. I have to interject. (laughs) So while he's saying, okay, I received the woman's side, but it's really important to look at other possibilities. So he's saying right off the bat, we're going to ignore the woman's side. Or at least I don't believe what you're saying is 100% true. Okay, interesting. Here he goes. Obviously, any man who does not esteem his wife while they interact on various issues, nor seeks to live with her in an understanding way as an equal, which includes empathizing with her opinions, misses two major letters in couple, understanding and esteem, the acronym that I use to illustrate how a husband spells love to his wife. Additionally, we read in Proverbs 31, verses 11 and 12, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. The Bible challenges a young husband to trust the heart of his wife and to believe that her actions toward him are for good and not for evil. Obviously, a husband should welcome his wife's trustworthy heart and good actions. We also read in Proverbs 19.14, House and wealth are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Why would a husband live with a prudent wife, a wife with practical wisdom and godly knowledge, and not want to receive her recommendations and counsel? It makes no sense for him to deprive himself of that treasure. And if he does so, he is straight up rejecting a gift from the Lord. All right. I, I just want to take that rhetorical question that he's asking at the end there. Why would a husband live with a prudent wife, a wife with practical wisdom and good knowledge, and not want to receive her recommendations and counsel? It makes no sense for him to deprive himself of that treasure. Uh, 
maybe because he's a bad guy. Like what he's really saying is there's no reason for a husband to reject this. And he's setting himself up in the rest of the letter for saying, therefore, the wife must be wrong. Well, and I think the thing, this is amazing here. So this, there's this, there's so many obviouslys in there. Did you see all the obviouslys? Obviously, a husband should esteem, esteem his wife. Obviously, he should welcome her input, right? And then he concludes by saying, if he doesn't do that, he is straight up rejecting a gift from the Lord, which I find amazing. So, like, if the, if, the, if the husband doesn't do his part, he's rejecting a gift from the Lord. If the wife doesn't do her part, she's rejecting the commandments of God. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it, what an unbalanced viewpoint, okay? Yeah. And look at the obviously. Obviously, a husband should esteem his wife. Obviously, he should welcome input. You know what's not obvious here to Egerich is the whole point of the woman's email, okay? Mm-hmm. That's not what's obvious. So, n- namely, this is what she's saying. Men are listening to what you're teaching, and they are treating us worse afterwards than they were before. So the obvious question to ask is, why is that? Yeah. Like, why is that happening? And, and, and that's the whole thing here. I, I think there's this whole movement in this, you know, uh, biblical manhood and womanhood kind of thing, right? And it means that somehow men should be respected and women don't need to be respected. Yeah. And that, that really upsets me. It really angers me because that's, that, that to me is not biblical teaching. And I think that it goes along with that idea. The reason that women don't need to be respected is because women can be easily deceived. And he actually goes into this in quite a lot of detail in love and respect. He, t- he, he, mis- he totally misquotes the Genesis um, passage where sin enters the world because he says that Eve took the fruit and then brought it to Adam, even though in the Bible it says that Adam was right there yeah, with she, her the whole she, time. It says she gave some of the fruit to her husband who was with her. Yes, yeah. and he misquotes that, and he says that she went off and found Adam. To make the bigger point that women were the ones who were deceived, and therefore women should not trust themselves. And he says that women do not trust your intuition. You must trust your husband's leadership. And so to me what that is saying is women do not trust the voice of the Holy spirit in your life let your husband be your holy spirit Mm, that's that's kind of scary and i seem to remember that there is no mediator between (laughs) god and man except the man christ jesus yeah yeah so so this idea that women are, are more easily deceived often means that these authors think that that women do not need to be listened to as easily or as much and so obviously men should esteem their wives but i mean really all of my advice says that men need to make all the decisions <laughs> okay and so so you know um i think what's really interesting here is okay so she basically what this woman is saying is okay we've gone to the conferences and our husbands are not listening to us anymore well she's leading a small group they're leading a small oh group. sorry they're leading yeah. a small group now and from and following this teaching our husbands are not listening to our advice anymore mm-hmm. so you know, what I would expect is him to come back with, whoa, 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 whoa. That's never what I taught, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. not what I taught because mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't believe that. I don't see that in this blog post. I just yeah. don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, he talks about it. Maybe this is a pink and blue communication issue. So it's a communication issue? Like, what does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. she's, you know, talking to him in pink but he doesn't understand because he's in blue or, and he's actually taking her advice, but he's not communicating back to her that he's taking it. Like, like I don't understand, understand what this is about. Like, this just doesn't make any sense to me. How can this be a communication issue? I mean, she's saying they're not listening. Why doesn't he say, well, that's not, they should listen to their wives. This whole section about how obviously a man would be beneficial if he listened to his wife. 
obviously this, obviously that. There's no point in that whole paragraph where he says, men ought to listen to their wives' advice. Okay, and then and then this is where he goes next. I don't think you can read this because I think your blood pressure will get too high. Yeah, this, Do you want this me to part read made me really upset. Okay, so I'll, I'll read it and then you can comment. Okay. Okay, so after he says that, there's no reason for a man not to listen to his wife, he says. There's no reason because if she's, you know, that's such a great gift. So there's no reason for him not to listen. He then goes on and says this. However, could there be something else going on here with the couples whose wives are accusing their husbands of having condescending attitudes? Pay close attention to these scriptures. And the contentions of a wife are a constant dripping. Proverbs 19.13. Better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. Proverbs 21.19. Better to live in the corner of the roof than in a house with a contentious woman. Proverbs 25.24. A constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. Proverbs 27.15-16. Okay. (laughs) This got me really, really upset. Okay, because this is this is one of the things that really bothers me, and I call it the weaponization of scripture. <laughs> yeah, that is what it is. Yeah, and and this is where people take little verses out of context and to make their point, and they hurt people with the Bible. Yeah. And this is where the word Bible thumper I think comes from. People thumping you in the head with the Bible and saying things completely out of context. Okay, yeah. so here's the deal. So Egerich has given this concept that women are telling him our husbands aren't listening to us anymore. They're not listening to our advice. Okay. And so he comes back with maybe you're being really annoying. Yeah. Maybe you're just irritating them. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the Proverbs. Okay. If okay. you Google Proverbs and you look for taking advice, mm-hmm. you will find like all kinds of things. What do they say? A fool rejects advice when it's offered to him, but the wise receive counsel or yeah, things like you, that. Yeah. Well, you actually wrote Well, yeah. I put a couple here. I, I, okay. I so the way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. That's Proverbs twelve twenty five. Uh, Through insolence, nothing comes but strife. But wisdom is with those who receive counsel. Proverbs thirteen ten. Um, Proverbs eighteen thirteen. The one who gives an answer before he listens, that is his folly and shame. There's all kinds of verses that he could have used in the paragraph before to counsel those men, hey, listen to your wives. You're an idiot if you don't listen to wise counsel. Yeah. But he doesn't do that. No. Like, like instead, he starts slamming women, saying that you're contentious and you're dripping and you're annoying and stuff. Anyway, this makes me really upset. Yeah, like, is this what you think of women? I'm yeah. Like, like well, I'm if, reading this. And is that honestly what you think is, of women? This is what I said to you afterwards. I said... I don't, I don't know what he meant by doing this. I, I don't know his heart. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish by writing this. But what I said to you is, if I were a woman and I was reading this, I would think that God hates women. Yeah. You know, that's what I would think. Like, oh my gosh, you know, God hates women because, like, we're so contentious and annoying and dripping and stuff. And it just, it broke my heart because, you know, like, I'm not a theologian, but God doesn't hate women. No. <laughs> like, that's it's crazy so these women say that their husbands are being condescending and he has the gall to quote four bible verses about how horrible it is to live with women who are nagging yeah yeah like i i just cannot believe that yeah i cannot believe that okay let's let's read what he says next god doesn't tell husbands to listen to contentious wives but to listen to respectful wives which way should a husband interpret his wife is she a prudent wife voicing concerns to which he must listen 
Or is she a contentious wife who is expressing her disgruntlement over the fact that periodically her husband puts his foot down and breaks the pattern of her getting what she wants? So much in that paragraph. Oh, it's just so, oh so terrible. Okay, so and I, and I missed the part too, by the way, where it, God says to not listen to contentious wives. Like, I didn't see that. Like, like she's, he's saying here that God gives husbands the right to ignore their wives. I didn't see that there. Yeah, I mean, and actually, that's like, a common it does say book. It does say it's bad to be with a contentious wife, and I get, I get all that stuff. And I think that although it's, that's, he's not using it for the purpose that, that, was, that scriptures were, those scriptures were written, you know, it doesn't say don't listen to them. It doesn't say they can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And actually, that's a big theme in the book is that if, if the husband feels disrespected, he isn't going to be able to love you and he isn't going to be able to take your influence. And so it's very, very important that you're never disrespectful. However, the definition of disrespectful is whatever a husband doesn't like. Because mm-hmm. well, here, which way should a husband interpret his wife? So he gets to decide if she's being respectful or not. Yeah. Like she in her heart. Coming, is coming to him as respectful as she possibly can be. But he can still say, no, you're not respectful enough. Right. Right. Exactly. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. So he's, he's really setting up a dichotomy here. Either she is a wise wife and he would have no reason to disregard her. There's and, no reason yeah. that a man would disregard a wise wife. Or she is a contentious wife and he doesn't have to listen to someone who's disrespectful. So those are the only two options. So this woman is writing in saying the men in our small group are treating their wives worse. And he's saying, well, I mean, there's no reason to disregard her if she's being respectful. So obviously these women must be being contentious. So if the husband is treating the wife worse, it must be because there's something wrong with the women. Because husbands would have no reason to treat a woman Mm -hmm. who is treating him respectfully in a bad way. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And and that's the whole point, right? Because you set up a system where one person has all the authority, all the power, all the decision-making capacity, all that stuff. Uh, and you tell them, okay, hey, but you should listen to the other person, which actually he doesn't ever say in this blog post. Yeah. But, but that's the concept that's out there, like this idea that the men are the decision makers and they should listen to their wives, but ultimately it's them. That's the concept that's out there, right? But when you set that up, that, that whole idea, that is a situation that is ripe for abuse. Yeah. And, and to say, well, if people use it to abuse people, it's not my fault, is a complete cop-out. Yeah. Because when you say one person has all the authority, one person has all the power, that is a situation ripe for abuse. And I feel you are morally obligated to get ahead of that and say, but you know what? This is, this is how that's not supposed to be abuse. This is how we're supposed to not let that happen and explain how this does not give the right for this person to treat the other person disrespectfully, to ignore them, to, to, to do that kind of thing. But he doesn't do that. And I, and I don't see these people doing that. If... If you really believe that the man has a higher position somehow in the Bible, which I don't think those Christians do. I've already said that. If you do that, you really have to say, but this is how you protect yourself. And, and if you're in a situation where that's not happening, that's abuse, and you should get out of that situation, and you should not let that happen. You need to be doing that. Yeah. But here, in fact, we get the exact opposite. A person is saying, these people are going down a bad pathway, mm-hmm. and he says, well, it's your fault. Right. So if he treats, if he's treating you badly, it's your fault. And let me just say too, like in this book, he did give the caveat in brackets. If your husband is physically abusing you, please get out and call the police. Okay. And all of these books do give that caveat. That's not enough. Yeah. It is not enough to, because then in all of these anecdotes, he's giving an anecdote of an obviously emotionally destructive relationship and he never identifies it as such. Instead, he says the solution is for her to respect him more. 
You know, here is a situation where these men are treating their husbands badly, and the answer is for the wife to, to change. Mm-hmm. And that's highly problematic. Yeah. Okay, now I absolutely love this next bit. This is my favorite bit. I, I, I cheered when I read this, and so here we go. <laughs> okay, so let's take that. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. You mean like you, were, you cheered because you realized that some wise stuff is going to come out of this. Yeah, because I thought, here's my entrance. Okay, so here's what he says. John Gottman, arguably the most respected marriage researcher around, writes, In the research literature on marital interaction that has used observation methods, women's marital interaction has been consistently described as more confronting, demanding, coercive, and highly emotional than the interaction of their husbands. And then he gives a quote where that's from. I am so glad he brought up John Gottman. Yeah, now, you weren't cheering about the quote that he used from John Gottman because, again, it's taken completely out of context. Yeah, because what what, what he's actually saying in that passage is that women are much better at making their needs heard and at expressing emotions than men. (laughs) And men tend to stonewall when they're upset, whereas women keep talking. That's the point that he's making in that point. Yeah, exactly. But the point is you you were happy that John Gottman was referenced because he actually has got some good teaching. Yes, and so let's let's just take a look. Emerson Egrich said... That John Gottman is the most respected marriage researcher around. So that means that it's okay if I quote John Gottman. <laughs> well, and I think it's true. He is, he is a very respected uh, um, marriage teacher, I think. And he's done a lot of really, really good research where they actually don't just assume this, that they know the truth. But they actually say, hey, what actually works in marriage? That's right. And, and John Gottman has this amazing book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. Yep. And he never talks in gendered terms in his books, okay? Um, he, he, his goal is to help couples achieve mutuality and understanding and love. In the seven principles, he, he lists seven principles, and one of them, principle number four, is that you let your partner influence you. And this is the only principle that he makes gendered. He mostly is addressing this to the men, not to the women. And here is what he says. I'm going to read you a whole bunch from this chapter. He goes in, actually, in this chapter. He talks about religious people who see marriage in terms of the man making all the decisions and how in those religious families it only works. Like, you can believe that theology, but your marriage is only going to be good if you actually make decisions together. And he's debunking pretty much the whole book, Love and Respect. Um, But here's what he says. Obviously, it takes two to make or break a marriage, so we're not singling out men here. The point of this chapter is not to scold, bash, or insult either gender. It's certainly just as important for wives to treat their husbands with honor and respect. But my data indicate that the vast majority of wives, even in unstable marriages, already do that. This doesn't mean that they don't get angry and even contemptuous of their husbands. It just means that they let their husbands influence their decision-making by taking their opinions and feelings into account. But too often, men do not return the favor. And so this whole chapter is saying, hey, if you want your marriage to work, it's not necessarily about women respecting men because women already do. Mm -hmm. The only way to get your marriage to work is for men to respect women and to listen to women. You need to listen to each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty basic stuff. Being healthy in your relationship means listening to each other. 
Yeah, and here's something else he said. But we did find that the happiest, most stable marriages in the long run were those in which the husband did not resist sharing power and decision-making with the wife. When the couple disagreed, these husbands actively searched for common ground rather than insisting on getting their way. Let's make it very clear that in love and respect, he says, if you disagree, wife, it is your job to let the husband make the decision. And this does not lead to happy marriages. He's even saying Gottman is the most respected marriage researcher. Well, here you go. <laughs> this is what Gottman says. Uh, let me read you a little bit more. In our long-term study of newlywed couples, whom we followed for nine years, we found that even in the first few months of marriage, men who allowed their wives to influence them had happier relationships and were less likely to eventually divorce than men who resisted their wives' influence. Statistically speaking, when a man is not willing to share power with his partner, there is an 81% chance that his marriage will self-destruct. 81%. 81%. What he's basically saying in this chapter is that women are much better at expressing emotion. He even says that more than 80% of the time, it's the wife who brings up sticky marital issues while the husband tries to avoid discussing them. This isn't a symptom of a troubled marriage. It's true in most happy marriages as well. Mm -hmm. So when there's a problem, it's the woman who brings it up, and it's the woman who wants to continue the conversation while men tend to stonewall. And he gives four, he calls in the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the different ways that men um, can reject these kinds of conversations. One of them is stonewalling. One of them is using always and never statements, et cetera, et cetera. And I won't go into all of that. But what he's saying is that men don't, you shouldn't do this. The four horsemen are not just for men, right? Women can do the no, horsemen. that's true. But in this yeah. chapter, he's, but he does say that men are far more yeah, likely more to likely use, to use them. them. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but they are, again, like, it's a really good chapter to read. Yeah. And so, and so basically he's debunking the entire love and respect book and saying, no, it is not healthy for a man to make the decisions. It is, even, even if Emerson Eggert would say, yes, but we let the woman have influence. Well, no, he's saying it's actually not healthy for one person to make the decisions, even if you let the other person influence you. What is healthy and what leads to happy marriages is when people make decisions together. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so let's go on to the next bit okay, that so Emerson says. Here's another quote of another marriage writer. In addition, Sharon Jason in USA Today writes, around the house, women rule. And men aren't putting a fight up about it, according to a study from the Pew Research Center that examines how gender and power play out at home and in the community. Of 1,260 individuals surveyed this summer, either married or living together, women wield more decision-making power at home. In 43% of couples, women made more decisions, almost twice as many as men, in the four areas Pew surveyed, planning weekend activities, household finances, major home purchases, and TV watching. Okay, so he's quoting two experts here. Mm -hmm. He says, now we already showed how Gottman was quoted out of context because the context there was Gottman was saying that women will continue these conversations while men stonewall, but whatever. Not that they were annoying and contentious. Right. Um, I, I don't know the USA Today article here, so I don't know if this is in context or not. But what he's saying is that women are making all the decisions and that women are running families. Um, there's a big difference in, in different kinds of decisions. <laughs> and just because women decide on like household finances because they're doing the finances or planning weekend activities, like whether we're going to go to the park or not, does not mean that she's making all the decisions in the family. Mm. 
And uh, that, that, is, that is an issue because is this even in line with the question that he was asked? Okay, the women are saying their husbands are being condescending and not accepting any input. And he's turning this around saying, well, actually, women are making all the decisions and they're emasculating men. So you're actually wrong. What you think is the problem isn't the problem at all. Mm-hmm. There's a term for that. And that term is gaslighting. Okay, what this, what this blog post is doing is he is gaslighting the woman who's writing the question. And I'm, I'm going to explain what gaslighting is. Okay, here is the definition. Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which a person seeks to sow seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or in members of a targeted group, making them question their own memory, perception, and sanity. So you may think think that your husband is being condescending, but actually you're wrong. Your perception of reality is wrong. Mm. Okay. And I'm going to be getting more into this in a minute as we go further into this letter, but I want to make this point here. You know what he's not mentioning is any statistics at all here about emotional abuse. Like he's being told a story that sounds like a controlling, potentially abusive situation. And he's not even mentioning it. Like you said, like he had, he had an obligation to say something about abuse and he's not even bringing it up. Instead, he's turning this all into, yeah, but women are really making all the decisions Mm -hmm. and not even listening to the question. Okay. So do you want to read, do you want to read the next bit? Sure. My question for the women in this small group would be, where do they land? Do their husbands walk on them as doormats in the home? rarely if ever listening to their concerns and making decisions contrary to their wishes? Or do these wives make the majority of the family decisions, but are not reporting this because recently their husbands stepped to the plate as an equal due to the love and respect equation, and these wives don't like this? He has a real habit of drawing these false dichotomies, doesn't he? Yeah. So here's yeah. another dichotomy. Let's look, like, he does this constantly. Let's look at this dichotomy. There's two options. Either these women are doormats or they are upset because their husbands are now trying to make some decisions and these women wanted to control the power. Mm-hmm. And so now they're upset because their husbands are taking power from them. Yeah. Those are the only two options. Yeah. It's all very black and white. Yeah. Could there be a third option? Like say a healthy marriage option, like maybe <laughs> where both spouses see each other as true partners and yeah. want to make decisions together. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about our, like in our marriage, like you see things I don't see. I see things you don't see. Like we're better together. Like if we, if, if we listen to each other and we point things out to each other, we grow. If it's an issue of you can never say anything to me because it's disrespectful, you know, and I can tell you to do whatever I want you to do because I'm the decision maker, that's not healthy. Yeah. Like it's, it, it, it really isn't like – anyway, okay, here's the next bit. Here's the next bit. Why don't you read it? Okay. I'm not suggesting that these women do not feel more vulnerable or victimized. God's word calls her the weaker vessel. But with that, she can overcompensate in confronting and controlling and not see this, but only see her husband pushing back and then interpreting that as dominating. Okay, so he's saying that the women are interpreting him, the husband, as being dominating when all that the husband is trying to do is step up to his God-given role to be... Dominating. <laughs> because in Eggers's view of marriage, the husband makes the decisions. Therefore, the husband is going to be dominating. The wife must submit to his leadership. Now, let me give you an example of what Emerson Egrich tells a woman to do if she disagrees with something that the husband is doing. He, he does this in the appendix in Love and Respect. Here's the situation. Husband's a workaholic. 
He spends way too much time away from the home. He has no relationship with the kids. What is she supposed to do? Well, first and foremost, she has to respect him and respect his decisions and his leadership of the family. But if she's truly concerned about this, what she's allowed to do is say something to him. And he gives an example of what she can say. It's about three sentences long. You know, honey, I thank you for what you are doing to provide for our family. I'm doing this from memory. I don't have the book in front of me. I'm sorry. But, you know, you're doing a great job, but I am concerned that you aren't home. We miss you and the children need you. Then she's supposed to shut up and say absolutely nothing else for at least a few weeks. Hmm. So that is the way she is supposed to deal with something if she feels he's doing something seriously wrong. Now, remember, what she feels like he is doing is endangering the children. Because a husband being a workaholic and having no relationship with the children is statistically very, very damaging to kids. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that all she is allowed to do is say two to three sentences every few weeks, and then she must shut up. So that is the way that he thinks a wife should influence the husband. So if the wife does anything more than that, or if the wife says those two to three sentences with any kind of anger in her voice, she is therefore being contentious and disrespectful, and he doesn't have to listen. One thing I think is really interesting here is the woman who wrote this email into him mm -hmm. has clearly taken his um, teaching to heart because the way she's approaching this email is exactly like you just said about how women should approach their husbands uh, respectfully. Uh -huh. So she starts with saying all the good things he's done and then she presents the issue and then she ends with hope you can help. Right. Right. She, right. No demands are there. And she presents it to him exactly the way that she's supposed to as a respectful person. Yes. Respectful white woman. Yes. As he says that you should approach a man. Yes. Mm. And yet he completely dismisses her. Mm -hmm. Even though she did everything exactly the way she's supposed to, he completely dismisses her. Yeah. And that's the problem is that if you teach that a man has the right to dismiss his wife, but he shouldn't, mm -hmm. but he has the right to, mm -hmm. that's dangerous. Yep. Okay. This, let's also remember that this is a man who liked to leave wet towels on the bed and felt that his wife was being disrespectful because she got angry about that. That was quite funny. Yeah. Not funny. It's actually very sad. Yeah. But that, that, that he would put that as an example of how she needed to learn to not nag him. Yeah. Like, okay. So, and he gives this example in his book of how his wife was upset because they were leaving candy wrappers on the floor, I believe it was, and wet towels on the bed. And she would be asking him to stop. And he got so frustrated that she was always asking him to stop. And then she went away for a week. And when she came back, she asked if, if he had missed her. And he said, no, I didn't. I didn't miss you because it was so great to not be nagged. And then she realized how disrespectful she had been. And she stopped making those demands of him. Yeah. Okay. Wet <laughs> towel on the bed. Yeah. If you leave a wet towel on the bed... What that means is that she is going to have to change the sheets because they're going to get moldy. It's going to impact the whole bedding. You know, you might even need to get the, the bed comforter dry cleaned. Like, this is a serious thing. It means that she's going to have to walk around behind him because if that wet towel is there for too long, that's going to make so much more work for her. So she has to be following around behind him all the time, picking up after him, or else he's actually endangering 
like their their physical belongings you know and if the wet towel is there for too long she has to strip the whole bed she has to put new sheets on it's causing her a ton of work it takes no more time to drop a wet towel on the floor than it does to put it on the bed he could at least put the stupid <laughs> towel on the floor okay if he's not gonna hang it up he could put it on the floor but no he wants the right to be able to put it on the bed and if she asks him not to put it on the bed she's being disrespectful yeah Okay, this is the kind of man, and he doesn't even think that this anecdote is weird. Yeah. And so this is what we're talking about. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> Let, let's read what he says. However, even in the best of situations, inevitably a husband will fail to approach the situation as lovingly as he should. And hopefully his frame of reference is not to push her way out of the decision-making process, but to get a chair for himself at the table. She must be careful to not misinterpret her husband's motives, nor how he is looking at his involvement. Having said this, a husband can club his wife with the respect message. I get that. And perhaps that truly is what is going on in the situation. Nice of him to make that allowance there. I think very good. Took a while to get to that. Took a while to get to that, but he does make that one sentence allowance. But when I unpack most situations, ah, you see, he made the allowance, but now he's saying, ah, but in most situations, but when I unpack most situations, the men are not trying to dominate to the extent that these wives are interpreting. And when the wives get in tune with the husband's deepest heart, she realizes he is simply taking more initiative to act like a teen. The love and respect message has challenged him to be more involved as a man of honor, so he positions himself to give voice to his feelings, whereas earlier he remained passive. These wives should not confuse initiation with dominance, nor his former passivity as respecting her as a person. Okay. Wow. So here's another situation. So either he is a passive bystander in the relationship and the woman makes all the decisions, or he steps into his God-given role and he makes all the decisions. Yeah, what about the main decisions <laughs> together? Exactly. You know, like, what about the whole concept of we're doing this together? We're a team. And I love that. He's trying to act more like a team. He He's basically saying the men in this email are trying – how do you say it? Um, he is simply taking more initiative to act like a team. That's what he's telling her is likely going on here. He is simply taking more initiative to act like a team by ignoring their advice. Because that is how the team is supposed to work. He's the captain of the team, and she's a player. So he tells them what he tells the players what to do yeah. in his in his in his thing. I find this highly problematic because I don't believe a wife should be following the husband. I believe that the both the wife and the husband together. Well, this is what we believe. Yeah, absolutely. Should be following Jesus. Yeah. And you know, if if I were to follow you instead of following Jesus, you'd be upset at me. Uh, yeah, I'd be very well, – like I said earlier, like I think that's the great thing about a marriage where we are both following hard after Christ is that we both realize that we can, we can be better. We can be better husbands. We can be better wives. We can be better people, and we help each other and challenge each other. We sharpen each other like iron sharpens iron. If the concept is that I'm in charge and you're my sidekick mm-hmm. who I can listen to or not at my – you know, when I want to, that's not a healthy marriage. All right. So yeah, and, and so let, let, how is he defining the problem here? Again, mm-hmm. again, let's just go back to how he defines the problem. He's saying the wife is simply misinterpreting her husband's actions. He is trying to step up the plate, and she is just not realizing it. The entire small group has women who are saying their husbands are domineering, selfish, and condescending, and he says it's simply because you don't understand them and your God-given role. In other words, women, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. 
So well, he's, it's, it's he's funny, condescending like, and like, women, it's your fault. And, and I, I kind of resent the concept that he stepping up to the plate and doing his God-given duty as a husband means being in charge of everything. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I, I think that you could be a godly husband without being a domineering brute. I mean, I just, maybe, I, maybe I'm a little bit, you know, out in left field there, but that's kind of what I think the majority of Christians yeah. think. Yeah, and so, but, but Most... that is not the way that Egert, Egrich sees marriage. In fact, in love and respect, in his examples of his own marriage, like even what he says about his own marriage, it's all about the wife learning to respect him more by stopping asking him to do things. Mm-hmm. So the way that the wife respects him is by stopping asking him to make her life better or make her life easier. So anytime she sees him doing something that she doesn't like, she learns that to say that would be disrespectful. And the reason it's disrespectful, and this is this is really important, is because he gets to define what disrespectful is. Mm, yeah, that's that's dangerous, right? Yeah. yeah. Like in the book, in the book, he talks about multiple ways that the wife is wrong for asking in a disrespectful manner, but he really doesn't talk very much about how the husband is wrong for not heeding the wife's warnings, mm-hmm. you know, or by not listening to the wife because in his, in, because he goes out of his way to say that a wife shouldn't be influencing the husband because women are more easily deceived. And so women should be understanding their husbands are going to know things that they don't. You know, and he is still in this email saying that the only time that a man should listen to his wife is if she meets certain qualifications. Okay, so she has to be prudent. She has to be godly. She has to only do good actions towards him. She has to act in a respectful manner. She can't be contentious. Well, what if he decides that she's not prudent? Yeah. What if he decides she's not godly or he doesn't see her challenging him and holding him to a higher standard as a good action, but rather as a contentious one? Because that's how he saw his wife telling him to not put wet towels on the bed. You know, Emerson is still putting all the power and control in the husband's court because the husband gets to decide if the woman measures up. The woman has no value in and of herself. Her opinion can only be listened to biblically if she meets this higher standard. But no such standard is given for men. Yep. And that's the problem. That's the problem. It's very one-sided. Yeah. Like, okay, if a woman was married to an emotionally immature man who couldn't step outside of himself for five minutes and ask, is she right? Like, am I being unreasonable? There is nothing in his book that would make that husband reconsider listening to his wife's thoughts because he simply gives the man permission to disregard his wife by saying that she doesn't measure up. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime, well, the wife, anytime the husband's upset, it's because... She's being disrespectful. He's being disrespected. Yeah. Well, and through this whole email, the whole concept is, you know, love and respect, right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing when I read what's in this, um, not email, in this blog post, what I'm seeing is women must respect their husbands. Mm-hmm. Men ought to love their wives. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And the way, yeah, and the way that men love their wives, the women will never understand anyway because the women are trying too hard to take power. And so if the women think he's not loving, it means that they're... That Still they're... looking for power. Okay, so that's the end of the article, but then he has four questions to consider. Oh, we can do the questions too. They're really important. So this is, this is, how, you, this is how you relate. This is the application of this, this blog, blog post, post that he has written. Okay, so here's the first question. Emerson wrote, the Bible challenges a young husband to trust the heart of his wife and to believe that her actions towards him are for good and not for evil. Why do so many husbands not fully trust the hearts of their wives? Why do they have difficulty believing that their intentions are for good and not for evil? Okay, that's question one. Question two, 
Have you ever experienced or seen a situation in which the husband held a condescending attitude toward his prudent and respectful wife? Based on, yeah, again, like, anyway, based on 1 <laughs> Peter 3, verses 1 and 2, how do you believe these wives should respond? Okay, hon, why don't you read 1 Peter 3, okay, 1 and 2 This there. is 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Okay, so what's Emerson saying here? If you're upset women, the best thing to do is to shut up. Yeah. Yeah, because you're supposed to win him without words. Never mind the fact... This is, this is, this is a concept that's preached out there by a lot of people. He's yeah. not unique in this. Like, like women are not supposed to talk up if they, have, if they see something that's wrong. Yeah. It's very upsetting. And, and never mind the fact that the context of this has nothing to do with marital problems. Oh, yeah, no. This, this is about Christian women married to non-Christian men. Yeah, that's what it's about. So that if any of them do not believe the word, mm-hmm. they maybe went over by the, without words. Yeah, in right. other words, you're not supposed to preach to your husband. Yeah. You're supposed to just love him. Mm-hmm. But this isn't about dealing with marital issues when you don't feel loved. Mm-hmm. So this is just ridiculous. And by the way, Gottman's book, like if you want a really good book for working through your issues, Gottman's book is really inexpensive and there are so many exercises in it that mm-hmm. will help your marriage to grow. And they're all about learning how to express your feelings, both of you together, how to make decisions, in both a, of you in together a healthy way, in a healthy way, communicating. Yes. You know. And Emerson Egrich himself says that Gottman is... <laughs> Very respected marriage researcher. Well, he, Gottman is actually. Yeah, and he is. He is. Okay. <laughs> so question number three, why do you think that studies have shown that in most marriages, women make the majority of the decisions? Although that's not what the studies showed, but anyway, whatever. Uh, in these homes, if the husband were to attempt to step up in his role as leader and make more decisions for them, in what ways can this be misinterpreted by his wife? Well, actually, studies show the opposite to what he's yeah, saying here. Exactly. Uh, you know, as we already showed from Gottman, right? Yeah. Um, and then question number four, Emerson wrote that a wife should not interpret her husband's former passivity as him respecting her as a person. What do you think that means? I, I think it means that, he, that they have a very black and white view of men and women in their relationship to each other in marriage. Mm-hmm. Either you're a passive doormat who's barely a man, or you're totally in charge and you're bossing her around. And there's no in-between. Yeah. And that is really unhealthy to me. Yeah. Now, what I want people to know is that in all four questions, mm-hmm. it's the woman who needs to change her attitude. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Let's go yeah. back and look at them. Okay. So yeah. 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 Or it, it's saying that the wife is misinterpreting yeah. something. You know, well, I oh, mean, if the fir- no, the one... first the first one is the husband. Why do have, husbands have a hard time trusting, trusting their wives? You know, it could be because they're contentious and, 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 yeah. and nagging. <laughs> yeah, because that's, and that's the point that he made, is that they have a hard time. The so that only one, time that one could be a husband thing, but it's probably a wife thing. Yeah, because the only reason that he gave for a husband not trusting his wife is if she's contentious. Yeah. The other three questions are all about a woman changing the way she thinks about the issue. He said. never asks the question, men, hey, your wives are feeling like you're acting in a condescending way towards them. No, it's if women think there's a problem in their marriage, then the women must be wrong. Yeah, what are they doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? As I said, this is gaslighting. When we question someone's perception to undermine them. 
right? Emerson is coming back to the women and saying, your husband would definitely listen to you if you were a prudent wife. Obviously he would. Obviously. There's no reason for him not to, you know? And if <laughs> Except he... for the fact that maybe he's a fallen, selfish human being like all the rest of us. And yeah. he has bad days or he's tired or, yeah. you know, like who knows? Like, oh my gosh, it's just so crazy. Yeah. If he isn't listening, you must be complaining, contentious, or disrespectful. So he assumes that the women are not reliable narrators of their own lives, whereas he assumes that the men always mean best. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's a good point. That's highly, highly, highly problematic. Mm-hmm. Remember, women have been complaining about this since the time he started teaching this. It's yep. in his book. He included it in his book. He's still getting people writing to him about it. We had hundreds of women saying the same thing, and he's still saying, women, you are wrong. Mm-hmm. And so let me just say clearly, women, if you are feeling as if you aren't being heard, maybe the problem is that you aren't being, being heard. heard. Maybe the problem is that your husband is being taught that he doesn't need to listen to you because you're easily deceived and you can't be trusted. Yeah. And maybe your husband is being taught that he's not a real man unless he makes all the decisions. Yeah. Maybe your husband is being taught that if he's upset about something, the only real reason is that he's being disrespected and you are sinning. Wow. Imagine that you've read this whole letter as a woman, this whole blog post as a woman whose husband is controlling and emotionally abusive. And what is it that you hear? Yeah, exactly. Because there are men out there who are like that. Yeah. And if you're a woman in one of those relationships, how would you interpret everything in this blog post? You'd say, I'm being contentious. The mm-hmm. reason that he's, that he's mean to me, the reason that he's trying to control yeah. me is because there's something wrong with me. Okay, imagine you're a woman who is simply trying to get her husband to stop leaving wet towels on the bed. (laughs) But he says that when she's doing this, she's not recognizing his role as a leader. Wow. You know? There's something else that I find very interesting about this blog post. There's one word that's missing from it. Yeah. There's one word that never, ever appears in this entire blog post. You said this before. Yeah. You know what that word is? It's Jesus. Hmm. Jesus is never mentioned. So let me give you some Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Matthew 23, verse 4, he's talking about the Pharisees. And he says, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Yeah, it's funny. That verse is actually what I was thinking about, like, through a lot of that blog Mm -hmm. post as I was reading it. It's just like these poor women and what's being loaded on them. You know, it just, it seems pharisaical to me. And, and the thing I find amazing is when you think about Jesus, what does he say about authority? What does he say about power over each other? Yeah. He's very clear about it. I mean, he says, you've heard it said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles. This is, this is also from Matthew Oh, yeah, this 20, is Jesus. This is Matthew the words. Matthew 20 verses. The words of Jesus in Matthew 20 verses 25, right? You, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And that's the whole Christian idea. Like we put each other's needs ahead of our own. Like Jesus Jesus talks about authority and power. And he says, not so with you. That's not what we're about. Christianity is not about authority and power. And yet far too many have said that the way that you are a Christian is by operating on authoritarian gender roles. And that's just wrong. Well, and I think it's funny too, this whole like, movement this biblical manhood kind of thing men need to be in charge and women need to submit and they're they're so big at preaching uh wives submit to your husbands and this whole submit thing and yet 
there's, there's verses in the Bible that say, submit to the authorities. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact same word. And we were listening to this podcast. Uh, it was a brilliant podcast. And the guy was saying that in these movements, the men who run these movements are very vocal about their disagreement with the authorities. Yeah. Like, they, like their submission is like, you can't make me do that. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to resist you. And, they're, they're, and, and the idea that if a wife ever did that to her husband, what they do to the authorities, even though it's the exact same command in Greek, submit to, submit to, submit to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a complete and total um, paradox, right? It's like authority is really, really important for me to have. <laughs> but it's yeah. not important for me to respect other authority, yeah. you know, even and, though the Bible says that. And let's be really so it's picking, clear. It's picking and choosing. It's picking verses that you want and ignoring the rest of Scripture. Yeah, and let's be really clear. And I spent, you know, like this whole thing is just based on Ephesians 5.33. That is what his book is based on. Um, I, I did a podcast a few weeks ago on what the word head actually means, and I encourage you to listen to that. I will put a link to that as well um, in the description uh, for this podcast. Please go onto my blog at tolovehonorvacuum.com. I always have more resources there, and you'll be able to download um, the PDF of the notes for this and see his actual blog post there. Um, but, you know, it, Jesus did not come to earth to set up an authority system. <laughs> Jesus to, tell, came, to, to, to come and preach who was in charge. Jesus came to earth to teach us how to serve and yeah. to love. And more than that, to seek out his will. Mm-hmm. You know, when we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Our purpose here is to do God's will. And what these men say is that the way that a woman does God's will is by doing her husband's will. Yeah. Well, that is putting the husband in the place of God. You know, I do not, I do not follow Jesus by following you. I follow Jesus. And it's not that you are my mediator. And, and we need to get this right because, you know, he's saying, Hey, if you don't listen to me, you're not listening to God. Well, let me say that if we get this wrong, we're not listening to God. You follow Jesus, whether you are a woman or a man, you follow Jesus first. The profound disrespect that he shows women is truly astounding. Mm-hmm. And it is a disrespect that Jesus never showed. Yeah. Jesus listened to women. Jesus talked to women. Jesus went out of his way to make sure that it was a woman who, who was the first witness of the resurrection and who was a woman who was the first missionary. Yep. You know, but then... And that was in a time when women weren't respected as witnesses. That's right. You know, in the time that Jesus you know, walked on this earth... Um, women were not allowed to be witnesses in courts of law because their testimony was not considered valid. Right. And God said, I'm going to raise my son and the first witnesses are going to be women. And to me, that says that God is saying the testimony of a woman is valid to me. And you better darn listen to the women. I I think, I think that's, that's important. And I think it's important for women to know. Yeah. Because he, and then he told Mary to go and tell the men. So he's saying, Hey men, you better listen (laughs) to the women. Okay. In Emerson Egrich's worldview, women don't need respect. And let me just tell him that his worldview is wrong. Women need respect. Men need love. But all of us need to act like Jesus. Jesus needs to be the center, not the husband. And every action needs to be weighed against Jesus, not some idea of what is respect and what is submission and what is this. No, every action needs to be weighed against Jesus. Jesus. You know, women were put on this earth not to make the husband's life easy or not to get, let the husband do whatever he wants to do. 
A woman is put on this earth so that iron sharpens iron. She is not here to enable selfishness. She is here so that both can grow. Mm -hmm. And I hope that's what I do for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we both want to make each other better. And we both listen to each other. We both respect each other. We both try to love each other. I mean, we're not perfect. We have difficult days. But, you know, like this whole concept of, like, one person um, is in charge. One person has this you know, sort of spe- special relationship with God and the other person doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just so unhealthy. I, I just, it's so totally the opposite of what I think a healthy marriage would look like. So let me just run down the red flags that we have noticed in this podcast, in his, in his, in his blog post. Number one, if anyone tells you that if you don't listen to them, you are disobeying God's word mm. or you are going against scripture, Red flag. Red flag. You have the right to have your own relationship with God and to look at the Bible by yourself. And in fact, you have the obligation to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, if someone tells you that your perceptions are wrong, that what you're upset about, you really have no right to be upset about because you're simply seeing the whole situation wrong. Mm-hmm. That's also a red flag because your feelings matter mm-hmm. and your experiences matter. Okay. Um, if someone tells you that you are that you are too easily deceived to know <laughs> what the right thing to do is, and so you need to listen to another person, mm-hmm. that's also a red flag. And then if someone tells you that you are supposed to adhere to some kind of a role rather than primarily looking like Jesus, and if there are different things, if there's different if people are supposed to act differently depending on their race or their gender or their age, no, we are all supposed to walk in his steps. Mm -hmm. And so be very careful of any school of thought that puts much more onus on one person acting like Jesus than on another person acting like Jesus. Jesus did not lord things over us. Jesus served. And Mm -hmm. all of us need to be sacrificially serving. So that's it. I know this was a super heavy podcast and a very long one, but I wanted to bring out those red flags because I'm really worried that there's a lot of really bad teaching in the church and I'm doing my best to counteract it. So I also want to say something to the woman who wrote this letter in to Emerson Irish because I've seen this a lot. This woman and her husband went to a conference and they got a lot out of it and they felt that this love and respect message helped them. And probably the reason it did was because she and her husband are both good people that are mature believers. And so they're so excited about this that they go back and they lead a small group because they want to spread the message. And once they lead the small group, it all goes wrong. And they can't figure out why. And let me just say that what is weird is not that the small group went wrong. What is weird is that you went right. Because the message itself is a toxic one. If you are both healthy people, you can hear that message and do fine. But it's very important. If you are a healthy person and you heard this message and you did fine, please don't spread it to other people. Because other people are not necessarily healthy. Other people can be immature. Other people can be very selfish. Other people, it may not be as as, as strong in Christ. And this message can throw their marriages into turmoil and can enable abuse. There are books out there that don't enable abuse. Mm -hmm. And so let's not just say, well, a lot of the book was good. I got a lot out of it. Yeah, some of it was bad. If some of it's bad, don't read it. Mm -hmm. We can do better, church. We can do better. 
This book is still one of the best-selling marriage books, and the only reason it is is because people keep buying it. We can do better. So please, church, let's do better. And that is the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast for this week. Please join me at tolovehonorandvacuum.com where I do blog every day. And you know what? Normally it's not this heavy. So <laughs> so come on over to the blog, see what we're talking about. Um, and remember, if you like this podcast, please rate it five stars. Um, s- subscribe, suggest it to other people because I just want to get really practical about marriage and start giving people advice that will help point them to Jesus and help them get a marriage that is exciting and that is close and that is intimate without anyone feeling like they're being condescended to. I hope that's not too much to ask.